Hey guys. Hello, hello. Good evening. Let's see if we can get situated here for just a second. There's a lot of stuff up here. I know, I'm going to drop something, so bear with me. Okay. Awesome. So, uh, my name is Greg Gooden, and this is my sweet bride, Emily. We've been married for nine years and have one five-year-old son named Graham. That is us without him, and there he is with us. There we go. So, uh, my story begins in Amarillo, Texas, where I grew up in a typical household uh, with a hardworking father and a nurturing stay-at-home mother and an older brother. We attended church regularly, uh, but lived our day-to-day lives void of the gospel. And while I knew of God, I lacked the life-informing relationship with God that would unfortunately play itself out in destructive ways well into my early 20s. And specifically, my greatest rebellious behavior came in the form of both just physical and verbal conflict. And what I would later come to understand to be just as damaging uh, was the lack of conflict resolution. Uh, So this inability to resolve conflict through communications at my home created a division within my parents' relationship to the point of divorce, distance, my brother and myself from one another, and just led me into years of unhealthy relationships with other friends and family. I was born in Richardson, and I have a sister who's 13 months older than I am. My parents divorced when I was five, and my mom remarried shortly after that. My sense of refuge and stability at home was shaken so early in my childhood with the divorce, a quick remarriage, and blending of families. It created a sense of anxiety and desire to manage towards some sort of consistency in life. The gospel of being saved by faith in Jesus Christ was presented to me at summer camp in about the fifth grade, and I accepted Christ as my Savior. However, we never went to church as a family or talked about our faith, so I was mainly focused on what the world had to offer. I desperately wanted to fit in, so managing people's perception of me became my main goal. The simple truth for me is the sum of so many years walking apart from God Navigating through academics, athletics, professions, and relationships alone allowed me to experience the gambit of all this world has to offer. Those years of satisfying my self-centeredness and relying on my own abilities and understandings, they naturally began to shape my heart. And I formed my own inaccurate beliefs about God and people. I defined what the purpose of love and life were all about. I shaped perspectives about relationships uh, and how each one would serve me and even expectations for what my life was going to be about with no regard for others, or the possible consequences of my confrontational actions. I decided who I would spend my time with, when and how I would spend it, and simply fed my flesh. When relationships or situations before marriage would become tough, I would simply move on. Without remorse or zero resolution, this created a pattern that blossomed into a critical spirit and allowed me to devalue communication within conflict for years to come. Somehow not having to talk about it meant you could just escape it. I continued to develop a distorted identity, one broken experience after another, a perverted understanding of what leadership and love are in relationships, where I remained at the center of them all, and many unhealthy expectations and focuses on others that prevented me from addressing my own sin. After high school, I went through a series of bad relationship choices, including allowing a boyfriend to cheat on me for many years, and then later having an inappropriate relationship with a married man. I thought I was so good at managing my life by this point and so good at controlling everything around me that this felt like a complete shock. I knew I wasn't seeking God's will for my life, and I cared far more about what other people thought of me than how I was using my life to honor God. In early 2005, I started coming to Watermark and very quickly realized that this place was filled with people who wanted to be known. 
Later that, that fall, my whole life changed when my relationship with the married guy came to the light, and I decided to go all in with following the Lord. I learned that the more I shared my struggles and sins with other women, the more I felt truly loved and understood. The enemy wants us to believe that we need to hide our weakness, but pr- Christ proclaims the opposite. 2 Corinthians 12.9 tells us, His power is made perfect in our weakness. And while the Lord allowed me to get to this place, uh, he did not abandon me nor forsake me. He was merely waiting for me to return to him and flee the Gregus King lifestyle. Through his sovereignty, he brought men into my life that surrounded me while I was still single and lost in my selfish ways and loved me regardless. For the first time in my life, I was being discipled and I found true purpose. During this time, I was constantly being pointed back to Christ with truths from God's word and realized my ways did not line up with his ways, and it was the beginning of a refining process that continues to this day. It was clear how I deviated, and the Lord began to remove my self-made definitions and reshape my beliefs, and how those beliefs informed my behavior. I was a sinner in need of a savior, not once and done years ago, but daily devoting and depending on him forevermore. Years later, Emily and I met and married, and it did not take long to establish bad habits and realize I was terrible at being married. My selfishness and justifications would dominate my decisions and contribute to much divisiveness. I was only hearing Emily as someone who wanted to change me to make her life easier, so any point made was dismissed, which is just my pride. I was viewing her as one who had found great value in self-righteousness through knowing God's word, and she knew it, but did not live it out, and that's just my critical spirit and judgmental. When conflict would arise, my poor communication tactics filled with self-righteousness and defense mechanisms would consume any chance of resolve. Rather than seeking to understand her, the pride-based, you're the problem, not me, kept me in my blinded state and unable to see what the Lord was revealing to me. I was angry all the time. I felt accused and attacked at the drop of a hat. And I was the fool in Proverbs 29:11, giving full vent to his anger. Verbally, there were no limits to the hurtful things I would say. No escalation too high, no volume too loud to get my point across or to win the argument. I was harshly direct and inconsiderately rude, and our unhealthy communication style turned into much unresolved conflict. It drove a wedge between us, and our relationship began to grow shallow and fragile. Our disagreements and quarrels were seeds of bitterness that, I led, that led to um, hard-hearted opinions like Emily was my enemy. While Emily and I are quite different from each other, we remained opposed more than we were in agreement. We struggled to get on the same page about anything because we couldn't keep a conversation going long enough to understand where the other person was coming from without it turning into a fight. Another verse I failed to apply was 1 Peter 3, 7 that clearly encourages us with likewise, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. We were becoming roommates only because we both vowed to never divorce, and neither of us wanted to admit it, nor did I really know why I was so confrontational, but we were acutely aware simply through the way we communicated that we were suffering. Our oneness was non-existent. We simply could not communicate without being rude or impulsive. Everything seemed disrespectful due to my negatively interpreting much of what Emily said. My triggers were tripped, and off I went on a verbal rampage. I thought that since Greg and I had gone through premarital counseling at Watermark, joined a foundation group, been involved in the church, etc., things would be just perfect. Well, they weren't. Um, Shortly after we got married out of my own fear of fully trusting and struggling with control, I started to question everything about Greg. 
It was so slow and subtle that I didn't even fully recognize my own perceptions and actions and how damaging they were. Instead of trusting him and believing that he was a great partner for me, I became very skeptical and began to doubt his competence in many areas. Part of my struggle is that when I see one little area that's not exactly how I think it should be, my mind races to try to figure out how to control the situation to prevent the worst possible outcome. This led me to try to control Greg, everything from purchases to people's perception of me and our marriage, even what Greg did on a daily basis. I probably don't have to tell you that is a very exhausting and fruitless way to live, not to mention I'll think Greg liked it very much. Um, my attempts at control led me to so led to so many conflicts, it's hard to even pinpoint some of the worst. I can tell you that conflicts at our house used to be filled with lots of yelling, cussing, harsh words, controlling tones, and many days without speaking. Somewhere among all the crazy and poor communication and conflict, we decided to have a baby. We welcomed our son Graham in February of 2013, and Graham has been a huge blessing for us, and parenting him has been a very tangible expression of how much the Lord loves us. However, Greg and I fully recognize that in order to be the best parents and all that God intended, we needed to first focus on our own relationships with Christ and a healthy marriage. So after five years of marriage and years in community, we agreed to give Reengage a try. First, the heart-churning curriculum revealed much about who I was as a husband. It was the only safe place I could be honest about how I was feeling and acknowledge the lies I had bought into that were directly affecting our oneness. Embarrassingly enough, we were finally able to hear what the other was sharing, and that brought about incredible opportunity for restored oneness. We would leave united and filled with hope due to the clarity and humility we experienced. We could then continue a conversation with a different outcome elsewhere... As a result, sorry I'm cheating, we were beginning a much needed reconciliation path towards one another, all because we could gently communicate. The idea, it's not what I said, but what you heard, still rings true for us. Each chapter challenged us to reevaluate how we are to treat one another and collectively reminded me of 1 Corinthians 13 and what the true definition of love is. We realized our poor communication methods were preventing us from extending grace, forgiveness in action, intimacy, and so much more. God used our time and re-engaged to radically change our marriage. The biggest aha for me as we went through the curriculum was the lesson on grace. Specifically the question that asks to tell about a time when your spouse has shown you grace. Greg's page was blank. Blank. I mean, he had nothing. Um, he couldn't think of one single answer to that question, which was a low. That was a low. I had not shown him even a glimpse of the overwhelming grace that I myself had been shown by the Lord and so many others. That was the beginning of me drawing the circle around myself and working on changing everything in it. God showed me that I was more concerned about being right and having things my way than loving and serving Greg. More concerned about protecting my or our reputation than really seeking what God has for us. I wanted to quit every week and re-engage, if I'm being honest, um, because I thought nothing was happening. It wasn't until almost the very end that I realized a big truth. 
I was always looking for one big event to point to that could explain why our marriage was so terrible. But God revealed to me that it wasn't one thing or one event. It was a series of small choices I had made over time to move away from what God intended in marriage. And the way to move towards a marriage that God intended is by making small choices over time to love and trust God and Greg. We had to start with changing the way we communicate and changing the way we resolve conflict. Some of the steps in the Re-Engage book on these topics felt very forced at first, but the more we practiced them, the more the Lord showed us how to really love each other and resolve conflict in a healthy way. So we had a choice to make after learning so much about how to have a God-honoring marriage and no longer willing to live in denial about any part of it. It was time to walk in his ways, to taste and see that the Lord is good, to lean on the Lord for guidance and strength, and believe that he is capable of handling our problems. Finally, this freed me from trying to fix Emily and focus on Christ. I could practice patience with Emily and trust the Lord that he is still at work, and his timing is perfect. I only need to yield to the Spirit and let the love I've come to know be extended to my bride as Christ calls me to. I can admit my faults and failures, and I'm not met with condemnation or conflict. We are learning to embrace each other as Christ himself would, regardless of our imperfections. We've recently been through a couple of trials, and it's been fun to celebrate with our community just how much our communication and conflict resolution has changed in the last few years. I feel closer to Greg than I ever have, and I'm learning to trust him more each day. Praise the Lord that the way that things have always been doesn't have to be the way they are going forward. So we stand here today grateful for the Lord's love and kindness that did lead us both to repentance. And so we're humbled by the hands of our mighty healer who to this day is still redeeming his children and taking ground in hearts of those who believe in him. My encouragement to you who are here working on your marriage is just to take one next small step moving towards your spouse. Don't underestimate the day-to-day interactions that build trust in a great marriage. Don't underestimate what the Lord can do with two willing hearts who love him. Thanks for letting us share. Thanks, guys. Oh, that was good. (laughs) So you talk about oneness. Greg and Emily will sometimes sign their email grimly. Come on, that's kind of cute. That's kind of cute. Man, thank you guys so much. When I was sitting there listening, I thought, gosh, what what are the three things that we want to highlight from their story? And I just captured some things straight from their testimony. One of the things that Greg said was, we would leave each night united, filled with hope due to clarity and humility that we experienced in our group. And I love the next part, with a willingness to continue to put into practice what we had learned. And then Emily talked about, hey, it's a choice, It really is. When you leave tonight, whether you are in open group or newcomers or closed group, it's a choice. You have a choice to make to put into practice all that we've been teaching and sharing with you from the front. So for the entire month of March, we have talked about communication and why communication matters. Do you know that communication is in the top three reasons as to why people divorce? It is. Because they cannot come to a resolution and the conflict just remains. And so somebody gets weary and goes to the courthouse and files. And it was never meant to be that way. God has given you everything that you need to speak love and kindness to your spouse. Proverbs says that 
power, there's death in life, there's power in the tongue, that the tongue can bring death or life into relationships. And some of us in this room, we're not doing a good job of that. Profanity and and harsh words and abrasive speech, we're going to call it what it is. It's abusive. And it's not okay. And so we've listened all this month, hey, what are some tools that we can put into practice to learn how to speak to each other in a way that is winsome? When a husband is unkind and loving and abrasive and abusive, do you think that draws the wife to him? No, it makes her run. And the same thing with the women. Ladies, when our tongue is sharp and curt and unkind and our tone can be abrasive, that does not draw our husbands to want to come and be in oneness with us. And so the call tonight is, hey, what choice are we going to make? Are we going to choose to allow the Lord to fill up that heart which is directly attached to that tongue so that when I speak to my spouse, it draws him or her to me. Raise your hand if you have kids. Thank you. That's almost the entire room. Your itty-bitties under the roof are going to copy your example. If they see daddies yelling and screaming and being abrasive to mama, guess what they're going to copy when they grow up? the same. And the same thing for the little girls in the home. We're going to copy and model what our mamas lead out by example. And so we want to bring a charge to you tonight as we wrap up this unit on communication that you would make a commitment from this day forward that tonight when you leave that it is going to be a good thing to jump in the car with you and to drive home and to be under the roof with you knowing that when you speak to your spouse it's going to be loving and kind and that you're going to set the tone in your house that your children will get to experience the love of Jesus by the way that you speak to one another and so let's go guys let's do it